You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode number 44. Jim Taddy with you for the next 25 minutes or so. And coming up, a conversation with our special guest, Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. But before we get there, we've got some business to do. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball game that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's the call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, let's get to the hockey story. And so Gus and I did this exercise of trying to resuscitate, rekindle, reconfigure the Leafs so that we're not having the same conversation a year from now with catastrophic fallout in terms of people not being back. But it is what it is. They've said they're going to go at the top four, the four horsemen, as we've talked about previously. So we're trying to figure out a way how to make that work. It's a bit of a challenge. With the four teams left, you got Montreal, Vegas, Tampa, and the Islanders. And we conclude that... I guess I could say it this way. The Tampa building program is the one that the Leafs are most suited for or seem to be following. I don't know that it's going to work out that way. But anyway, here's the conversation with Gus. All right, Gus, uh, let's go through this. And uh, I know you've got a, you've got a keen eye. You've got a McKean's eye, actually, on what's <laughs> happening with the Leafs. You like that plug? Okay, so so in, in terms of, like, how – because, uh, you know, it's easy to say what's wrong or what didn't happen. That, that's Captain Obvious here. But but how do you fix? Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions going into the offseason that they need to address almost immediately. Um, the UFA situations need to be addressed. Personally, I think they need to start in net. So they need to establish who's going to be their number one goaltender or if they're going to go with a tandem. And if Jack Campbell is part of that tandem, that's fine. Um, but they need to get that core piece uh, figured out so that they're able to build outside moving forward. Um, the questions that I think that they have specifically are what are they going to do up front? And up front, we have the biggest problem of being Zach Hyman. So do they bring back Zach Hyman at term and money that he's expecting and will get in a unrestricted free agent market? Or do they try to find some kind of an alternative? You can find cheaper alternatives that won't um, 
play the same way. But the issue that I had with moving away from Zach Hyman was he was the one that was able to move line to line and provide stability when players were struggling. Are they going to be able to go into the free agent market or find an internal source that's going to replace a player like that? Probably not. So they're going to have to find a different solution around all of that. There are other capable players that could potentially move into Hyman's spot. Jordan Martinook is just one a name off the top of my head. Um, but Hyman's initial entry into Toronto wasn't as a skilled player. It was more right. of a crasher banger, bit yep. of uh, uh, garbage style goals and all of that. But yep. he did tons of skills improvement. You could see that he's become a better player with age, which kind of goes against the narrative there. Um, but so they definitely need to address that, which also means that they have a spot that's open on the first line, potentially left wing. They have a potential spot that's open on the third line. They're going to have to fill that stuff with either one of Riley Nash. I wouldn't mind if they bring back Galchenyuk, um, but I think that they need to start moving away from the, uh, the Nick Foligno. Uh, Nick Foligno, I think I have some time for, but I don't think that it's a possibility. But they can't bring back guys like Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. You can't waste roster spots promising players that they're going to be playing on a regular basis. They weren't able to, to go and explore to find players that would help them similar to like what Tampa Bay did and Toronto and Tampa Bay are kind of moving towards the same trend line. Um, they're, yeah. they're really focused on skill, try to get some better defense qualities and better goaltending. Um, unless they're able to address um, like the specific spots that Thornton and Felino, uh, sorry, Thornton and Simmons were taking up, they could have found other solutions externally. They could have found an internal solution. So they need to rejig that forward group and they need to do a better job at bringing in these veteran players that they think are going to help. Thornton was along for the ride, but that's all he did. He was just along for the ride. So the least need to be a lot more cognizant of what they're doing up front. At the same time, um, they need to be cognizant of the skill factor that they're actually using. I know that everybody talks about the Leafs and grit and all that kind of stuff and physicality and toughness and all of that. But toughness and grit is not a one player dimension. It has right. to be accepted through the team. It has to be um, thrown when it's supposed to be thrown and it's supposed to be accepted when it's supposed to be accepted. It's a living, breathing mechanism. So if they're going to focus on skilled players, and that's exactly what they should be doing, Tampa Bay added the likes of Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow, and they were good grit guys, but they were skilled, skilled players. So they're, if they're going to go down this route, I don't have a problem with them doing that, but they need to make better decisions about bringing like veteran players in and making sure that they have flexibility within their roster to be able to kind of move players in and out, do better talent assessments up front. So that's the first part. Yeah. I, you know, the, the key word out of all what you said there for me is flexibility and that's cap flexibility. So, you know, with all due respect to Zach Hyman, and I've mentioned this on a previous edition of Leafs guy, um, I would not resign him uh, out of total respect because he's worth what he's going to get. Uh, the problem is, is that uh, you can't tie up 45 to $46 million in five players. You need the flexibility because you've got an open audition really on, I counted eight forwards, the, the two left wings on the top two lines and the bottom six. I mean, that's, it's an open audition, and so um, I want to start the season with some cap space because I'm not convinced who I start the season with I'm going to end the season with. This is an ongoing audition uh, when we're looking for what Zach Hyman was, a guy who could come in and, and then grow into a role. Uh, unfortunately for the Leafs, uh, there's there's two things that really get in their way. One is the salary cap issue. Um, the other is the drafts. I mean, they don't have draft picks. A lot of the guys, you know, uh, Tampa added some guys from other teams at the end, but a lot of their, their soldier players were draft picks and came through the system. Now, there are people in the Marlies, but 
again, it's, uh, you know, that the window for opportunity here is two to three years max. Uh, and so it might take somebody from the Marlies two to three years to find his way. And there's just no leeway. So I've said this before. It's a team that can't get through the first round that has the salary cap crunch of a team that's won cups and, and, and they've traded draft picks away already. So it's not an easy remedy. You really have to get your scouting gear on and, and find these guys and other teams. And, and hopefully you, you have to you know hit the lottery a couple of times, don't you? Well, at the same time, too, though, let's kind of take a lot of this into perspective. One, they lost because um, they had a broken John Tavares, not played. Right. Uh, Nick Felino was supposed to be brought in for a role, and he was just injured and hurt, so he wasn't able to really play. Right. So what was really the problem with the Leafs here? Their depth. Their depth was just non-existent. Alex Kerfoot was able to step up. Matthews and Marner were shut down effectively by the opposition. We'll give them that for the time being, just for the sake of conversation. But where was everybody else? Nylander was hot for four games, and then he died off. Somebody else has to kind of jump in and, and, and be part of that. So now going back to the Tampa Bay model, which is kind of similar to what they're actually doing, Tampa right. Bay has been drafting and developing the players that are in their current championship lineup from 2011. That's a decade. So it's not like Toronto was able to kind of uh, go back 10 years and start building. Their window is this window because of the situation that they're in um, and the fact that they kind of lucked out on Austin Matthews, if you really want to use that word. And now they have to bring in all these components that are kind of um, um, specific to winning. So they brought in guys like John Tavares. They had already drafted Marner and Nylander and, and Morgan Riley was stepping into his own. They've made decisions to progress the club but at the same time tampa bay had a lot of major setbacks on their way to being a championship team right what up and down you know it's would that just, be tolerated would that be tolerated in toronto well see that's kind of the problem right like me yeah. being a lifelong uh, leaf fan i'm fed up with the 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 performance it's not so much not getting out of the first round but how could you let a 3-1 lead slip to an inferior club and i say montreal being inferior even though they're playing well it's not like carrie price came uh, came in and, and stole the series toronto imploded to that point if you're going to be a skilled team you need to have skill all the way through your roster so that you have that seamless quality of bringing in any player to be able to kind of fill that role. It's something that we talked about during the regular season and they were doing that very well. Obviously with the expanded um, uh, competition and moving outside of your division, that kind of changes the dynamic. But Toronto is not in year one of their window. They're in like year two or year three, but they didn't have the full decade to build the championship club that Tampa Bay has. So it's right. this accelerated narrative that they're trying to get okay let's kind of guys we only have a certain window we have these players for a certain amount of time there's not that much cost certainty so we got to get it all done now they don't have the 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 the, the decade the tampa bay hat so this causes a bit of a problem moving forward logistically short term and long term it's an interesting dilemma uh, you know to use a baseball description it's a guy who can't get a base hit and they're sending them up to get a game-winning home run <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we're talking about all or nothing here, right? You can't get that's, out of the first round. And when you do, oh, you better win the cup because anything else would be unacceptable. Yeah. And I think that the expectation here, like for me, winning first round was was a must. You had to do that just because it, it was just to destroy that narrative and get past it. Um, beating Winnipeg or whoever they ended up facing in the second round probably was a good thing. But Heading into the Vegas style, like Vegas and Tampa Bay right now, you knew that they would come up against much stiffer competition. And oh, Montreal sure. showing that they could be competitive 
every team is competitive up until a certain point, but in the end, you have to win those series. So is Toronto really at the level of the Tampa Bay's and the Vegas's and all of that? Even though Vegas and Tampa Bay play two completely different styles, they're both very effective. Is Toronto at that level? Not no, really. No, no, they're not, not Stanley Cup contenders. No, they're not. And and you know when and uh, Exhibit A, when you're up three one in a series and the other team uh, figures out what you're doing and stops it, and you don't have Plan B. Uh, you're not going anywhere. It's it's only a matter of time before that blows up on you. you. You might be able to get through the first round, but you are not going four rounds with that problem. So on that specific note, is that just strictly for the players, though? Because, I mean, we have saw, and I use this as an example often, to me, Sheldon Keefe's greatest approach to trying to break through these defensive systems like Columbus and Montreal last year was loading up their first line. Oh, yeah, Put all our best was, players yeah. on the first line. and yeah. Well, that's kind of a desperation move, right? You well, don't, you're, not, you're not strategically trying to beat your opponent. You're just hoping that your best players are able to perform at their best. So you said strategically trying to beat. Well, they, here's the problem. I mean, the team does not have an identity. What is, tell me, answer this, what is a Toronto Maple Leaf? Well, the identity of a Toronto Maple Leaf is a skilled player that is um, accepted the current view of what a skilled player is. Um, but there, as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole, as an identity, yeah, I, I can't sum that up in a word or a phrase or even no. a sentence. But you you described the Toronto Maple Leaf forward. I mean, the, you should be able to describe the whole team, and that includes the defense. The defense does not fit that description. Yeah. And, and the goaltending is, you know, uh, Jack Campbell's a real scrapper. There's no doubt about that. But go back, go back to your point that you made a couple of uh, statements ago. I mean, Jack Campbell is your number one. Okay, I get that. Well, who's your number two? Because it, yeah. it has to be somebody of equal value and at a low pay uh, pay scale because of the cap situation. So, again, you know, Freddie, if, if you don't resign Freddie, which, which I would agree with, Freddie's out. Jackson and, and now we're searching for a backup again and, and the backup has to be able to play probably uh, 40% of the games. So um, from the player's perspective, I think that we've touched on a lot of the things that they absolutely do need to, um, to address. There is a potential other issue. If Seattle ends up picking up a player, let's just say Justin Hall. Now they have to fill that spot as well. But, you know, the biggest issue, I think, really is in the coaching staff. Um, Elliot Friedman was talking about uh, on Saturday headlines how there's other teams that are interested in the Leafs assistant coaches. You know, for all sake and purposes, by all means, go and explore that. You can't have a power play that just absolutely brutal for half a season without addressing that. So I think the coaching staff has to take a look at itself and say, how can we improve so that we're not just reliant on our skilled players we have to do something to help them to give them the opportunity to be our best players and that has yet to be addressed or even talked about and i'm i'm skeptical of where the club goes if they decide that we're going to stay with the current coaching staff without making any kind of strategical or psychological or even like philosophical changes. They need to be able to kind of adapt to every situation and they're not really doing that. They haven't done it for two seasons. This is kind of the last kick at the can if they're going to bring the same uh, coaching staff together. You can't do the same things three years in a row and expect to improve. Well, make no mistake about it. This is really the last, and I don't want to call it a year of grace, but if we're having this, I said this with uh, Dave McCarthy last week, if we're having this conversation a year from now, uh, there, will be, there will be a bus parked out in front of the uh, 
Scotiabank Arena with the, with a lot of the parties on it because it just can't. There's no way you can keep going back to the well with this story. I mean, it's it's going to be. It could be an ugly regular season if if things don't materialize. And I have to say that you know I wouldn't expect the Leafs to light up the regular season. I would expect this to be. Uh, if you want to borrow the Montreal story, a work in progress where you know you're looking for little things that that can carry into the playoffs. So that Mark Bergevin nailed it. There are players that'll get you into the playoffs, and there are players that will help you win in the playoffs. And those can be two different people. Yeah, they could also be the same people. It's just a matter of putting them in a position to be able to execute and then give you the results that you're looking for. But you're right. There are questions that are still yet to be raised. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I do trust the process, but there's a limit to that process. I can't be having this conversation year after year after year after year. And it's not the fact that they lose in the first round. It's the similarities in the ways that they're losing and not being able to break through that level. And if you can't do that, then there's a serious problem at the actual franchise level. I'm okay with, I think that there's chatter about maybe moving on from Brendan Shanahan. He had a role. He came in. He fulfilled his role. He can move out. Kyle Dubas has to take the reins right now, and he has to build that Stanley Cup contending team. And I'm not talking about competitive. I'm talking about a Stanley Cup contender. That's what Toronto fans are expecting here. And the futility that they've seen over the last couple of years, it's not the same as like the crap that we've seen in the 80s and the 90s uh, where we saw mediocre teams that kind of overachieved and everybody kind of had fun. Yeah, Losing game seven was the worst thing that could ever have happened for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Toronto thinks... Toronto has to retool now because they just suffered an embarrassing loss. Montreal thinks that this is the actual winning remedy and this is the way that they're going to end up building into the future. And that's clearly not it without a a specific formula or a plan in place. um, I think that both franchises have a lot of questions that they're going to have to address at the end of this season. I'd like to leave Montreal alone. They're having a good time. But, no but I know what you're saying. It's not a um, sustainable thing. It's it's a one-year thing. Uh, the other danger of where the Leafs are is, is, is again, I go back to um, they're almost, uh, well, they've been forced into a position of, of, of behaving like a team that has won Stanley Cup. So my direct comparison would be the Detroit teams under Mike Babcock that were trying to extend their playoff run. And and I don't know the exact, like if this was three years in a row, but it, but it's like that. And so to acquire David Leguan, you serve up uh, Yarncrock. Uh, to acquire uh, Eric Cole, you serve up Yanmark. Both guys are still viable players and would have really helped the Red Wings. To acquire Kyle Quincy, you serve up a draft pick, which happens to be Vasilevsky. I mean, those are damning, damning trades where, I mean, you also gave up other draft picks. Um, you got limited service out of the three guys you brought in because you were trying to extend a playoff run. Uh, and so the comparable to the Leafs is trying to add the missing piece for a Stanley Cup. They're, they're, away, they're far away from that. It's not a missing piece. It's the whole unit has to come together. This is not bringing in an aging veteran thing. There's much more to this. And, and they have traded already a number of draft picks. So I don't know where this goes. Yeah, there's a little bit of a replenishing that I think that they can, they could probably do a little bit of replenishing for draft picks. And a lot of the draft picks that you talked about and the players associated with that were all late. So again, Toronto is in this year two or three of what Tampa tried to build over 10 years. So imagine having Babcock still in the fold here and moving pieces like Mitch Marner for a David Legwand or a late draft pick for a Kyle Quincy that ends up being nothing, but Kyle Quincy doesn't necessarily help you along here too. Toronto has tried to do that. And I'm not really sure whether or not they feel that they need to accelerate to try to become a contender, to try to win now 
forget about steady contention, win now, get this over and done with and, and kind of move on? Um, or do they kind of continue to build on the failures that they've had, addressing those, making their team stronger and building a core component that can be competitive for ages and ages and ages? Tampa Bay, when they had, had their setbacks, it just didn't happen to be all in the first round. They get swept by Columbus. They come back. They lose in the conference finals. Like there are setbacks that championship teams lead along the way. Well, it's I'd a best like, playoff run too. Like they didn't make the playoffs one year, right? That's correct. And I mean, these are the things that build the character that players and coaches and the organization understands are on the route to success. Toronto's not necessarily taking that same kind of route, but because they're building franchises that are so similar, um, they have to expect that there's going to be a setback. Even if they were to end up winning the first two rounds of this year, as soon as they ended up playing competition outside of their division, they knew they were going to hit a wall. Or at least anybody that can kind of see how these other teams are playing knew that Toronto would be up against a much more difficult set of competition than they were playing in their own division. So there's a lot of things that I think that Toronto, or at least hockey in general, is doing to Toronto what it did to Tampa Bay, what sure. it did to Detroit what it did to San Jose, what it did to like all of these teams that were contenders Washington. at some point in time, Washington, the yeah. setbacks that they had, Halak yeah. and game seven against Montreal. Like there are tons of examples of this. Yeah. The point being though, you can't consistently lose in the first round by imploding and not strategically beating your opponents. If you can't do that, you're lost. There is no building. My, I guess the, the only uh, fly in the ointment for me, I understand all of that. But, uh, you know, to recap something I would have said last week, so term on contract, Tavares four years, Marner four years, Nylander and, and uh, Matthews three years. Now, when these guys come up uh, and assume that uh, you're going to want to re-sign them uh, or you, you, you could end up losing them for nothing. Uh, so, I mean, they're not going to sign for less. So I, this, this is like, this is like a, a, this is a problem that nobody's really had before because these guys are, they're well-paid, they haven't delivered, and there's a short window on, on possible success. And when the window closes, what do you do with these guys? Do you try to re-sign them? I don't, I don't know that any of them come back, you know, because it just, it might not, it might be a nasty scene or you pay them less. I don't know. It just seems ominous, doesn't it? At this point, it's kind of, <clears throat> let's just use the top four right off the bat. I think that John Tavares' situation is fairly stable. You know what you yeah. got. You know how long. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not he's actually in a Toronto Maple Leaf blue and white at some point. Yep. Um, I think the biggest question mark really is Mitch Marner. What are they going to do with Mitch Marner? Personally, I can't see them moving away from Marner, at least during this offseason, just because of the fact, even though everybody really wants his head, um, he's still a skilled component that can take his time to get it right. I know that that's not what people want to hear, but that is part of the problem. The setbacks are real. They're personal and on the team level. So you got to give Marner the benefit of the doubt that he can improve. If you can't see that improvement three years in a row, something else has to be done. But what about William Nylander? If Nylander all of a sudden starts really picking it up and thinks that, you know, he's not the player that he signed for $7 million last time. Now he's a $10 million player. Oh, what do you well, do then? Yeah, well, that, that's, yeah, that's so a that's that's part of the problem, too. As your team improves and your star players step up and show, I did this, he's got to get paid for that. So now it creates a, a brand new set of issues. At the same time, Morgan Riley is another problem like that, too. He's got one more year left on his contract. And, and what are they going to do? How do you replace a player like Riley on the back end? You're going to have to find somebody on the trade market. Now you got to uh, dispense more assets in order to bring in a valuable asset. It, it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation there. 
or or having the knowledge of what we just said there and how we map that out. Maybe you do a preemptive strike and, and you talk Nylander and, and Morgan Riley in a trade somewhere because eventually you're going to hit the, uh, the fork in the road with both of them, aren't you? It's possible. I mean, you can't take any of that under the off the off the table. If for some reason, let's just say Arthur Matthew says, you know, I really don't feel comfortable playing here anymore. What do you do? You got to move him. You have to yeah. do what's best for your franchise. If Mitch Marner, for instance, performs next playoffs, even though the Leafs do well, but he performs the same way that he performed here, it shows a limitation that is just way too blatant for you to be able to say that this is my 10, 12, 14 million dollar player that I bank on because you can't bank on it. You can't rely on him in those key situations. So the decision for Marner is not now. The decision for Marner is next spring. Yeah, but having said that, by the time you get there, if you have the same problem, and this is a big if, and it's easy to go down this road based on recent disappointment, but again, if if we're having this conversation about Mr. Marner a year from now, uh, the odds of you being able to move him out without soaking up some of his salary would be somewhere between slim and none. So that is a complete failure, isn't it? Yeah, I don't really think that that's very much different from where it is now. I think if Toronto had to move away from Marner, they'd have to eat some of his salary regardless. So well, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, and you know, I, I know that we talk about players being hard to move, but every player can be traded. David Clarkson got traded. If oh, you could trade David yeah. Clarkson, you could trade anybody. So yeah. there's always a market for players like that. It's just a matter of how deep are you willing to go into the hole to get yourself out of that hole. Yeah, and, you know, we have been talking in somewhat negative terms because that's where we are. We've got an expansion draft, a protected list, and and, and a, a an entry draft ahead, although the Leafs don't have many picks. Uh, you know, we have to sort of give the the nod to Kyle Dubas and see what he does, and I, I would caution Leaf fans that, uh, you know, you're not going to come out of the gate and go 10-0 and because you don't want to. You want to end up in the right spot, not start in the right spot. Yeah, I think my eye for myself, I get the personnel issues and I get the players and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll let Kyle Dubas deal with that. And we kind of deal with the situation as it goes along. To me, strategically in coaching and the way that they've approached this season and especially in the playoffs, I think that is a much bigger question than I think individual players and their impact. They can't go into the playoffs with the same kind of mentality and think that they're going to prevail. Now, I'll give them again. You lose John Tavares. That's a big, big loss. It you is. lose Nick Foligno after paying such a high price for him, considering that nobody else is really kind of able to step up into the role. That's the issue. The issue is as long as they they understand their depth is a problem, they need yeah. to be able to address that because if their stars go down, somebody else has to Alan McCauley this thing, and they're not getting any kind of performance like yeah. that right now. Or, or maybe next year we'll be saying somebody has to Nick Robertson this thing. You know... Uh, from your lips to God's ears, I guess. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm glad we ended up with a laugh and we got to you see how long it took 23 minutes to get to get to the positivity. But but nonetheless, we got there. I hope it was therapeutic. Thanks, Gus. Thank you, man. Last minute of play in this podcast. Okay, and there's a time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. Thank you, Rossi. An excellent job, as always. So let's play Yes Guy, No Guy, Rapido style. Yes Guy, No Guy. The Leafs can follow Tampa Bay's building program. No Guy, No Guy. That's not going to work for them. There are missing parts here that the Leafs could not possibly obtain. The fans will be as patient as those in Tampa. Absolutely, emphatically, No Guy. The key to the Leafs' success next season is actual cap flexibility. Without getting into a long dissertation, Yes, Guy. And there is a Stanley Cup with this Leafs team. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, Guy, there is, and we'll see. 
Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Leaf Sky episode 44. Hope you come back next week for Leaf Sky episode 45. 